Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, breaking down the latest in reality TV and pop culture. <sighs> well, first of all, hi, how are you? Welcome in. Thanks for being here. You know, I love and appreciate the life out of you. We have a lot to discuss today, a lot to discuss. And I honestly don't know if I'm ready for it. It feels like all week I wait around thinking to myself, oh no, I hope something really big happens before the podcast comes out on Thursday. And I always feel like at the very last moment on a Wednesday at noon, before I start writing the podcast episode, this big bombshell breaks. And that's exactly what happened this week with Rachel and Bethany. We'll get into it, but we have a lot more to discuss too. And I just want to say right off the Oh, let me tell you my good news first. See, I'm all miscombobulated because of this. Um, Visa update, a big visa update. So I posted on Instagram and TikTok earlier this week that mine and David's K-1 visa, his fiance visa, was at the National Visa Center, which is good news, right? We're like almost to the end of the road. We are waiting on a case number. And then once they have the case number, they then send it to the U.S. Embassy in London. And once they get it, David can schedule his interview, which is the very last thing that he has to do before he comes over and makes a married woman out of me. Well, surprise, surprise. This week, I woke up from my nap thinking I was still in a fever dream and saw that I got an email from the NVC saying they sent our application to the U.S. Embassy. Yay. So right now it's still in transit, which I don't know what that means. Are they like delivering it like through carrier pigeon? Like it's electronic. Shouldn't it just already be there? I don't know. It's been in transit for like 48 hours now. But as soon as that says ready, David can schedule his interview and he can come over and be my husband, y'all. So that's good news. Um, Other than that, the rest of the podcast is going to be really dark, (laughs) really dark. A lot of big stories to cover. You know, our girlies just let us down this week. They did. The girls, they did not come through. You know who did, though? The Summer House girlies, which shocking, absolutely shocking. They were all there for Lindsay's birthday. They were all there for Lindsay's bridal shower. Everything is good on the Summer House front. Some people were asking, where's Paige? Why isn't Paige at Lindsay's uh, bridal shower? Well, I will tell you that her best friend and co-giggler, Hannah Burner, also celebrated her birthday this weekend. So Paige was at the birthday party, and then I believe she's in the Hamptons on Saturday at Hannah's birthday. So don't read too much into that. At one point, Lindsay and Paige weren't following each other, and they both are again. So fingers crossed that we're getting some love and light this summer. For the summer house girlies, but let's get into, and I'm not doing the pop three this week. I'm doing three deep dives essentially, because I feel like all of these stories are so big that I'm going to be talking about them for at least 10 minutes each. Um, and before we start with Rachel and Bethany, cause we are going to start with that. I just want to ask you like, how does it feel to be listening to a podcast? Like where I'm always right. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to rave really about my, podcast ratings or like how many people subscribe to my pages. But like when I accurately read a situation, which is what we did here with Bethany and Rachel, I'm going to give myself a little toot 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 your own horn. You know, 
live, laugh, love yourself. And that's what I'm doing. Rachel and Bethany was Howie Mandel 2.0. And I can't complain. I wanted it. I asked for it. A couple weeks ago, I was like, Scandaval has changed me. Nothing makes me feel emotion anymore. All of these other pop culture stories. I'm just like, Meh. oh, Kim and Croy are getting divorced. Meh. You know, like nothing. I want to feel alive. I want to feel something. And then we get Howie Mandel 2.0 with Rachel and Bethany on Bethany's Just Be podcast. I'm going to start with positives, okay? And then we'll get into the conversation. And a lot of my points are going to be more so directed at Bethany um, than they would be at Rachel. But I'll just start with things that I found um, interesting about the first 10 minutes or so. Rachel um, talking about getting treatment, getting extended treatment, you know, uh, how she came up with the, not idea, but I guess the revelation that she needs to strip the facade of Raquel and go back to Rachel, you know, dealing with love addiction, understanding why she was constantly going for unavailable men. She didn't tell us. I mean, she kind of did. You know, she said it has the same effect of a drug addict. You know, you get that boost of serotonin or whatever it is, and it's addicting. And, and that's why she went for these unavailable men. She also only really had I mean, her longest relationship was with James Kennedy, five years, and it played out on reality TV. She had one relationship before that um, that the guy wouldn't commit. She said it was like her first love, but it was, I believe, in high school. So she's had all these very high-profile relationships. And I will say that she had me in the first 10 minutes. You know, I was like sitting there listening, thinking, you know, treatment has really been good for her. I think it's what she needed. I feel I felt like she was clearer and she wasn't coming out with any of these like groundbreaking revelations, but just to be able to hear her say, um, you know, I had identity issues and I had issues with wanting to be wanted, but then she starts to go down this, this path of, and I, I think it's easy to do. I think it's easy for us to criticize her, but I also think it's easy to do when you're trying to explain your side of a situation, I feel like it's very easy for it to come across as an excuse. Even if you say until you're blue in the face, this does not excuse my behavior. People will still hear that Raquel says, or Rachel, excuse me, says, well, Ariana and I weren't really BFFs anyways. And people will say, oh, she's excusing her behavior. When in Raquel's mind, Rachel's mind, <laughs> sorry, this is confusing. She's kind of trying to explain her thought process. But that being said, so she says, you know, I was never best friends with Ariana. That was kind of a salacious narrative that was pushed by the media to make the story more juicy. But my thing is, did we really think that they were like braiding each other's hair every night, making friendship bracelets, you know, together 24-7? No, I didn't. I thought that they were good friends that were constantly around each other. And I don't think it makes a difference if it was one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting because you're still being deceived by a friend who is constantly around, 
right? Today's podcast sponsor is OneSkin. And if you have sensitive skin, listen up. We got to talk about their scientifically proven topical supplements. Free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red and itchy and irritated, all the stuff we hate, their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Not only that, they're the first and only skin longevity company to target cellular senescence, a key hallmark of aging. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Say no more. Get started today with 15% off using code POPTALKS at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code POPTALKS. After your purchase, they're going to ask where you heard about them. Please support the show, support your girl, tell them I sent you because we give credit where credit is due here at MPT. So another thing that I found issue with is when she says, I didn't see longevity in their relationship. Talking about Tom and Ariana. Um, I mean, the obvious, they've been together for nine years, but she also says everyone can see, everyone could see that their relationship was, she doesn't say fake, but she says fake. She's like, you know, it's not what they portrayed on camera. um, And that's why I didn't think there was any longevity to it. And everybody, everybody saw that. If that's true and everyone around you knew, I'm using air quotes, that Tom and Ariana's relationship was fake, then why did you have to sneak around for seven months? Why did you have to continuously lie for seven months? If you believed, you know, what Sandoval said, that they were a brand and that they were roommates. And, you know, she goes on to say all of these things, but it's, it's just, it's not black and white, obviously. But I think that that also is something that she's telling herself maybe to make herself feel better when deep down she knows that that wasn't the case. And maybe, I mean, maybe they weren't as happy and in tune with each other as they portrayed on camera, but it wasn't enough, um, obviously, that they should have had the seven-month affair behind everybody's back. She also says that she gave Sandoval a key to her apartment to live in while she was away getting treatment. And instead, he chose to stay in the house with Ariana, that that didn't surprise her because they had been acting like roommates um, anyways. And then this is something I found interesting. She said that she does not believe that she was in love with Sandoval and vice versa. So, I mean, like I said, Hindsight is 2020, a la the TMZ interview. At least she can recognize things like that. Like, no, I wasn't in love. I was just addicted to the high. Um, I don't think that he was in love with me. You know, at least her head still isn't completely in the clouds. In my opinion, a lot of that doesn't really matter because what matters here is the intent of Rachel coming into season 10 of Vanderpump Rules. She wanted to make a splash. She wanted to solidify herself as a reality TV star. You know, she even says, producer said, you get paid the big bucks to make good TV. Everyone else had affairs. Why is mine so different? Well, I think a lot of things are different. Honestly, first and foremost, I think social media is different and it has added a new layer of intensity 
to what these reality stars are going through. I think if season, if back in season two, if social media was around in season two, the way that it is in 2023, I think Jackson Kristen would have had the same hell to pay, you know? And I mean, some people still hate Jackson Kristen. So I think it's just the time that we live in. Um, I also mentioned this on my Instagram and TikTok page, but this just solidified the whole Schwartz scenario between him and Raquel. I told you from the beginning that, you know, Sheena had voice concerns before the season that they don't know how much longer the show is going to last. And then all of a sudden, Katie and Schwartz get divorced. James and Raquel break up. Ooh, what's going to make good TV? Ooh, single Raquel, why don't you make out with Schwartz? And I believe that she thought that was going to be her I've come to play moment. You know, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This whole season is going to be about me and me, you know, finding myself and and hooking up with shorts or whatever. But if we're going to sit here and villainize everyone talking about Bethany for exploiting Scandaval, which everyone did, everyone did, everyone did, <laughs> then we should talk about how Rachel, Sheena, and Schwartz exploited Katie and their divorce for a produced story to make good TV, to be a big reality star, to have your name in the bright lights, to get people to talk about you. It's just as clear as day to me that that's what they were trying to do. You know, because she says, I look, you know, I looked to my castmates to learn from them. What makes good TV? What do people like? You know, and Bethany does talk about the pendulum swing, which I agree with her on this point where reality stars have high highs and they have low lows. You have one season where they really like you and then the pendulum swings and then they have one se- one season that's just going to completely knock you down. And sometimes it's um, episodic. Kyle Cook, you know, I just this just the first example that comes to my head. I have a love-hate relationship with Kyle Cook. I think he's fun. I think he's funny. I think he makes for great TV. And then I hate when he goes off the handle and talks crap about Carl, you know, on camera while Carl's not there. So I do understand what she's saying, what she's saying there, but at the end of the day, these people are on reality TV, which it's like, They're trying to make Bravo and NBCU out to be the big bad guy, the producers to be the bad guy, when the job is to show the reality of these people. It can get a little murky with production and editing, but this affair wasn't even caught on camera. The aftermath of it was. You know, and I'll get to that in a second, but I do want to recap this warning letter that Bethany and her lawyers sent to Bravo and NBC. So these were like the bullet point lists of things that they were accusing Bravo and NBC of doing. Deliberate attempts to manufacture mental instability by applying cast members with alcohol while depriving them of food and sleep. Denying mental health treatment to cast members, displaying obvious and alarming signs of mental deterioration. Exploiting minors for uncompensated and sometimes long-term appearances on NBC reality TV shows distributing and or condoning the distribution of non-consensual pornography, covering up acts of sexual violence, and refusing to allow cast members the freedom to leave their shows, even under dire circumstances. So that's a lot. And I mean, if they have stuff to back it up, they have stuff to back it up. Um, But like I said, this affair was not caught 
on camera. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes of these reality shows. Here's what I know. Producers did not make Tom and Rachel have a seven-month-long affair and sneak around behind everybody's back. They didn't. Their job is to make a reality show about people's real lives. And what would you, as a producer, let's say you are a producer of Vanderpump Rules and you find out that two of your castmates are having a seven-month affair underneath your nose. What do you do? You pick up your camera and you do your job to make a reality show. You do your job. Just like Rachel wanted to do her job and solidify herself as a reality TV star by drumming up some drama for season 10 with Schwartz. It's like, if you don't want people poking and prodding around your personal life, your reality, maybe audition for like a sitcom, you know? Today's sponsor is Factor Meals. Finally starting to get warmer. You want to spend your time outside and not in the kitchen. With Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Visit factormeals.com slash poptalks50 and use code poptalks50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. You can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash poptalks50 and use code poptalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code poptalks50 at factormeals.com slash poptalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And don't get me wrong. There are some points that I do agree with Bethany on. The pay aspect. If if Rachel is not getting paid for the size of Scandaval, was it worth it to have your name in lights? Absolutely not. I think R- Rachel would be the first person to say, no, it wasn't worth it. But while in one breath on Just Be, the podcast, she says, I didn't make a penny. Then you have TMZ come out and say, well, according to our reports, Rachel made $350,000 for season 10 of Vanderpump Rules, nearly $20,000 an episode for a total of 19 episodes. So who's telling the truth? No idea. At the end of the day, Bethany wanted to do this podcast episode with Rachel because it fit her newfound agenda. And maybe she's been spewing on this for a while, but all of this is just coming to the top because of the writer's strike. But I feel like Bethany better come out soon and say how much she paid Rachel to go on this podcast. Because if she's not giving Rachel, the podcast is, I believe, going to be three parts. If she's not giving Rachel any compensation, she is also exploiting talent for ratings or view just in a different media form. So, so that's that. That's all I got to say about that. Okay. Deep dive number one. Done. Deep dive number two. The Kyle Richards saga continues. We have Jeff Lewis. We have Amazon Lives. We have music videos. We have trips to Italy. We have a lot. So let's start at the beginning. Jeff Lewis was on Watch What Happens Live last week with Heather McDonald. And Andy played a game with Jeff. Uh, I think it was like 
what's the beef or something like that. Like, what's the issue that you have with this particular person at this particular time? Up pops Kyle Richards picture. Jeff says, you know, Kyle and I are friends and I'm pissed that she didn't tell me she was a lesbian on Ozempic. I, I'm not like overly familiar with Jeff Lewis. I know that his mouth gets him in trouble sometimes, as Kyle even said on this Amazon Live, which we'll get to in a second. But I clearly took it as a joke. Kyle didn't think it was very funny because the next day she was on an Amazon Live. This girl loves an Amazon Live. Just saying, you know, I'm over this. I'm tired of being the butt of the joke. I didn't think it was funny. I'm not not talking to Jeff Lewis, but I just don't have the mental capacity to respond to him right now. I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what she said. So Jeff sends her flowers. They're all good. But two hours later, after Kyle's on that Amazon Live, this music video drops. What's the song called? Fall in Love With Me. Morgan Wade new music video where Kyle plays Morgan's love interest and the internet explodes, right? Which I even feel like it wouldn't have been half as big of a deal if we didn't have that Amazon Live two hours earlier before this music video dropped. Let's get my thoughts out about the music video. First of all, I just want to say, I think it's it was supposed to be campy. It was supposed to be corny and cheesy, which I found it to be all of those things. But I also found it to be a little bit awkward. Um, and for me, I know a lot of people had a different reaction. But for me, I watched that video and I was like, oh, there's nothing going on between these two. Like, There's nothing going on between these two because it's so awkward. But some of that might be Kyle Richards has said that she is shy. Like, oh, it's just such a web because somebody pulled out, I believe it was Emily from She Speaks Bravo, pulled back this clip of Kyle when she did um, the Hallmark Christmas movie. And she had this love interest and she changed a kissing scene to the person kissing her on the cheek because she was shy. So it's like, how do you go from making someone kiss you on the cheek to having this full blown love affair with your BFF Morgan Wade in her new country music video. If you know anything about me, well, I shouldn't say if you know anything about me because you guys probably don't know this about me, but like I'm a prude major. Like everything makes me uncomfortable. Like I don't even like watching people make out on The Bachelorette, the noises. I'm like, my least favorite word in the world is like nipples. I hate it. I can't. It's an automatic gag reflex. Like I have chills right now. I just am. I'm a prude. So it really doesn't matter. I feel like no matter what happened in this music video or any other music video, I'm going to be like, this is too much for me. This is too much for me. Eating the frill, the faucet drips, the whipped cream, like <laughs> you guys. I'm such a prude. I hated it. I was like, I can't watch this at all. I can't do it. Um, but anyways, this is more serious. And I need to ask my gay friends this question because I don't know the answer to this question because I'm straight and I can't have an opinion on it. But I feel like I just don't think it's cool to be like, stoking the fire of pretending to be in a gay relationship for clout if you're not like isn't that a, a not a cool thing to do and i don't know if that is what she's doing but you know she's like we're trolling the trolls 
But then two hours before that, you wanted everybody to stop talking about it. And I always, my thought process always goes to what was this conversation like behind the scenes? What was this conversation between Kyle and Morgan? Because everything I've seen, Morgan in her very country accent is like, I don't understand why people are so concerned. I, I Kyle, Kyle sneezes and it's on TMZ. I wish people would just leave me alone, let me play my music. And then you have Kyle who's like, you know, I'm just tired of being the butt of every joke. I really wish it would stop. And then you have this music video come out. And it's like, oh, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do, Kyle? I'm over it. I'm really over it, you guys. I don't think it's cool. I just... Now she's in Italy with Mauricio and the kids. And I don't know. I feel like if this is what we have to look forward to this season on Beverly Hills, I'm going to be really just disappointed because it feel, it just feels contrived. I don't like that. I don't like when things feel staged, which is why I hated the whole Schwartz and Rachel situation because I could tell that they were just doing this to get us talking. Anyways. That's the second deep dive. The third and final deep dive for the day is about The Blind Side, the movie we all loved in 2009. How old was I in 2009? I don't know. I can't do that math under these circumstances. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. The Blind Side Star. Well, I guess who the movie was based off of, Michael Ower. He's a retired NFL offensive lineman, petitioned a Tennessee court with allegations that Sean and Leanne Tui made up the story and that it was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself at his expense. So it was a 14-page petition. Ower says that while the family did take him into their home, they never adopted him as portrayed in the film. Instead, the petition says the family tricked him into signing a document, making them his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name just three months after his 18th birthday. Though the blind side made over $300 million, Ower says he received nothing from a story that wouldn't have existed without him. Ower's petition asks for the conservatorship to be ended and for a full accounting of the money the Tuies earned while using his name. That's some tea. That's some drama right off the bat. And I think, um, and we'll dive into everything because the Tuies are responding and all of these things. Um, my initial thought is, wow, that's quite the plot twist. No one would have thought in 2009 while we were watching the blind side at Thanksgiving that however many years later we would find out that they, he wasn't actually adopted. He was in a conservatorship, which Sean Tui, the dad was the first to speak out about these allegations. 
And it says, after Ower claimed that the Tui family made, you know, upwards of $250,000 outright for the movie, along with 2.5% in residuals, Sean says that that is simply not true. He says, we were never offered money. We never asked for money. My money is well documented. You can look up how much I sold my company for. Um, he was a sports commentator and a former fast food uh, franchisee. He says, the last thing I needed was 40 grand from a movie. And then further rebutting the claims, he says that making Michael a part of the family was the only way to get him into the University of Mississippi. And essentially, because he was over the age of 18, they couldn't legally adopt him. So Tui, Sean Tui, the dad, was an All-American point guard at the University of Mississippi and was an active alum, which qualified him as a booster under NCAA rules. So he said, Michael was obviously living with us for a long time and the NCAA didn't like that. They said the only way Michael could go to Ole Miss was if he was actually part of the family. I sat Michael down and told him, if you're planning to go to Ole Miss or even considering Ole Miss, we think you have to be a part of the family. This would do that legally. He said, we contacted lawyers who had told us that we couldn't adopt over the age of 18. The only thing we could do was to have a conservatorship. We were so concerned it was at, we were so concerned it was on the up and up that we made sure the biological mother came to court. Um, so that's like the main sticking point, right? Is that because Michael Ower, according to you know, Sean Tui, because he was over the age of 18, they couldn't legally adopt him. So the only way that they could get him to go to Ole Miss, living in their house, have him be a part of the official family was if he signed on in some way, i.e. a conservatorship. So as for whether they will end it, um, he said, I want whatever Michael wants. So Michael is 37 now at this point. So the fact that he would even have a conservatorship when he there's no absolutely no need for him to have one, I think, is also kind of crazy. So then SJ went on a Barstool podcast, which I feel like is just on brand. But anyways, um, he said, SJ said he completely understood why Michael was upset, but refuted claims that the family made you know, millions of dollars off the film. Dave Portnoy was on the podcast and he said, someone clearly is making a ton of money off that movie and he's not seeing any of it. Listen, if someone made a movie that I thought was about me and I see it sold $300 million at the box office and I don't see anything, I could see how that would affect me. Absolutely. I mean, we can go back to Scandival. If Rachel's not getting paid for having a blockbuster season for contributing to sky high ratings like that is an issue but sj told the daily memphian on monday that everybody in the family got an equal share of fourteen thousand dollars when the blindside author michael lewis wrote the book and that would go on to inspire the film so sj estimated that he's received an additional 60 to seventy thousand dollars over the course of the last four or five years after the movie continued to make money SJ also says, because another big point of this story is that Michael only found out in February of 2023 that he wasn't legally adopted, that he was in a conservatorship. So SJ says that there are alleged texts from Michael Ower saying that he knew he was in a conservatorship long before February or even 2023. He says, if he says he learned that in February, I find that hard to believe. 
I went back to our family group text to see what things have been said. And there's things back in 2020, 2021 that were like, you know, if you guys give me this much, then I won't go public with things. And so I don't know if that's true. I think everyone learned in the past year about the conservatorship stuff because of Britney Spears. So maybe that's the case. He says, obviously, he's the star of it. There's no story without him. He is the star of everything he's done in his life. The same thing these writers and actors are pissed about now. It's not crazy different. He wants more royalties. Hollywood is going to screw people. Which I feel like that is just the overall theme of today's MPT is that there is some, I hate to even call it a reckoning because I, I was just, I'm scarred after this, after Bethany talking about it 24 seven, but there is something going on in Hollywood and, and I can't speak to what goes on with actors or writers or anything, but I do think that in entertainment in general, um, Things always look real pretty from the outside and on the inside, it's not real pretty, you know, and this is the only field that I like have ever worked in. So I don't even know if you could say that of like a normal corporate job or a normal nine to five, but I think every job has its pros and cons. Um, Obviously, some way heavier than others. Some things that these reality stars are having to deal with, I think, are way heavier when it comes to um, you know, just your mental health. Sorry if I'm getting a bit distracted because my perks of still living in an apartment, my landlord is literally right outside my window right now with a wheelbarrow full of um twigs. And he's for some reason like scraping at my windows. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Things aren't always as they seem. Okay. I think that's what we can take away from today's three-part deep dive of all these things. People want their money, honey. We ain't messing around in this economy. And you know what? We'll see how it plays out. Like I said, I think Bethany's coming out with two more parts. You might as well have made it a five-part Bravo reunion at this point. But I'm very interested to see how this plays out as these podcast episodes continue to go on. Obviously, we'll always keep you updated with everything you need to know in reality TV and pop culture on Instagram and on TikTok at Morgan P. Talks. But you guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you feel smarter. I hope you were able to escape your own reality and just listen to the mess that is other people's reality. I'm really distracted because my 93-year-old Italian landlord is like staring me down through the window. So I'm going to go. Make sure you subscribe to the Patreon. Pop a batch. Extra pop. The link is in the bio. Recap and charity season. The mental law. Lots to discuss. That will be out on Friday. If not, I'll see you back next time for another MPT. And as always, love you like a freaking sis. A Huda Media Production.